Good morning. Um, shall we please pray? Let's pray that God will give us understanding in his word, that we'll receive his word with open hearts in Jesus' name. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray that, Lord, our hearts will be opened in the name of Jesus to receive your word. In your mercy, O oh God, we pray. May our hearts be opened. May our hearts be opened. May we hear from you in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray in your mercy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A friend tells a story. Um, when he was in GHS, one day they go to school and his teacher is speaking to the class. Says, a lot of you here in class, you are not serious. You, are not, you have potential, but you are not putting it to use. You are not developing your potential. You are not serious. And then he points to one, especially you, Kofi. That encounter changed him. That time, he became the first in class. They went on to write the BEC, and he topped the school, especially you. This morning, my heart's desire is that we will all have an especially you moment, that the word of God will come to us directly, and we'll live here with a cry, Father, be gracious unto me. I've titled this, Church, Let Us Fear the Lord. Church, Let Us Fear the Lord. 2.1, because God judges sin in the church. And secondly, because it is the path to a powerful witness. Church, let us fear the Lord. One, God judges sin in the church. Two, it is the path to a powerful witness. In the story of Acts so far, we realize that after Pentecost, there was persecution in chapter 3. So the Satan tried to attack the church. This was an enemy from the outside, an attack from the outside. In our passage today, we'll see another attempt of Satan to destroy the church by moral corruption, by compromise. So, in our context, we see that Peter has, um, Luke has described the radical generosity of the church from 32 to 35. And it mirrors what he has said earlier in chapter 2. How they, were sh they shared among each other, there was no lack amongst the church. Radical generosity. So in describing that now, he gives a contrast. Two contrasting examples. Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Concerning Barnabas, we read, verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cy Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it 
at the apostles' feet. The action he does here, Barnabas selling, is not too surprising because of what we are told in verse 32. We are told that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So this is what it means, that in law it belonged to them, but in heart they had put it at the disposal of the people of God. It was dears rightly, but in their hearts they were not saying that this is mine just for my personal use. They had put it to the use of the church. So Barnabas does that, and in comes the contrasting example. Chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, or Sapphira. It depends on the school you went to. Okay. So Sapphira also sold a piece of property. Also. Barnabas has done this, and there's an also. They also do it. They sold just like Barnabas. They brought the money just like Barnabas. But between the selling and the bringing, there was a secret consultation. What did they do? Verse 2. With, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. But brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. The phrase translated, he kept back here, in Titus chapter 2 verse 10, is translated steal. When Paul was telling that the slaves, they, shouldn't, they should respect their master, they shouldn't talk back to them. And that they shouldn't steal. So he kept back some of the money and then he brought the rest what was their sin here? The sin of deceit. A lack of integrity. Presenting part of the money while pretending to be all of the money. So it appears that perhaps they, they seem to be, they wanted to be recognized as the church, as a generous couple. But they didn't want to pay the full price. Look at Peter's response. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. People of God, Satan is very much interested in what happens in church. Satan is interested in what happens amongst the people of God. Satan has a, a big interest. Why has Satan filled your heart? It says in the tree, Ananias, Adentina, Satan, Asha, Wakuma, Ma, 
You see, when you hear it in the tree, it's a bit different. Adentina Satan. Ashe waku mama. Say, bedi atro chre Why has Satan so filled your heart? To look the Holy Spirit in the face and lie to him. Now, Peter here, it's like Peter doesn't know how to say it. He's just asking a series of questions. He asks another question. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Okay. Now, after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Peter is almost saying WBHBYD. Ubaha Ebeyeden. Ananias. Anodebab. The land was yours. Nobody forced you. Okay. Now, after you sold it, the money belonged to you. Into Ubaha Ebeyeden. That you want to lie to the Holy Spirit. It's almost that, have you forgotten what God said about himself in Jeremiah 23, 24 to 20, 23 to 24? Am I a God who is near and not far away? Can anybody hide in secret that I cannot see? Am I not the God who fills heaven and earth? That you think that when you were in your room and having this secret conversation, God, he doesn't know. Ananias, what made you think of doing such a thing? Peter just asks a series of questions and the statement he makes, you have not lied just to human beings. Don't think that it's me that you, you are coming to deceive. Oh, Charlie, my pastor, he get no discernment. He will know. He will praise me, Charlie. I've never seen anybody as generous like you. Pastor Nogono. He says, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Verse 5. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And Great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7. If it were a movie, there would be a black screen, and then you hear a few moments later. That's what happens. You see, it says, about three hours later, his wife came in. Maybe when Ananias was coming, Sapphira was busy preparing food or maybe bathing the kids. She wanted to keep the home. You know, Titus, um, the, the word portal, the church, the women should be able to keep the home. So perhaps, oh, they can't quite, sorry, remember. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say she was late. <laughs> Lateness, <laughs> Nidia. Three hours. 
So after three hours, now she's also in church. She comes. Not knowing what had happened. Verse 8. Peter gives an opportunity for repentance. Peter doesn't come that, hey, I know what you did. He, he's not coming in judgment. and No, 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 no. Peter asks her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Almost like the question is, it almost gives you an idea that perhaps a one shot, he knows something. The fact he sees me, he doesn't thank me that we have brought our money to come and support the work of God. Looking at the widows and the orphans around that, how can we support? That's not the first thing he says. Immediately he sees me, he says, please, please tell me. Just tell me. It's just between you and me. I'm not saying go and stand in front of the church and announce. Tell me. Not tell us. Tell me. Is this the amount you got for selling the land? Is there anything not clear about this question? You see her confident response in 8b. Yes! This is the price. We didn't even take our transportation from it. Our transport, the other people who came to survey the land and do all those things, the, it was, we didn't take any money from this and pay them. All the work that went into sell, um, selling it, the paperwork, we did, this is the exact amount we had. Peter said, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Can you hear? The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about this. So we see the repeated phrase after the Ananias, great fear after Sapphira, great fear. Great fear. That is why we are saying, church, let us fear the Lord. When we read something like this, it almost, it doesn't sound like a New Testament passage. Almost like it, was, it has been misplaced. This sounds like something in Old Testament. That you see some of the Israelites, the Kohites, and some people, they rise up against Moses and the ground split and they die. And all the things, we will say the, the hard things God was doing, 
in the Old Testament. But here, this is right after Pentecost. When I read this, the Old Testament story that comes to mind is the story of Achan in Joshua chapter 7. That God had told them, listen, everything there is dedicated for destruction. Destroy it. I have led you in the wilderness. I have fed you everything. Sometimes you complain. I give you water. Anything you see there is for destruction. But Achan goes in and he sees some money and some change of raiment. I say, Abba, what is wrong with this God? So all this we should burn. How am I going to pay my children's school fees? Or when they enter university, I should just throw this away. He took it and went to hide it. And we saw the consequence. Church, let us fear the Lord because he judges sin in the church. You know, this is not the only place in the Old Testament where God's judgment comes upon the church. In the New Testament, that God's judgment comes upon the church. Let's read something in 1 Corinthians 11. From verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord. So here Paul is talking, he's addressing various issues in the church of Corinth. And one of the issues he was addressing was the uh, approach and attitude towards the Lord's table. And he says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now look at verse 30. This is the New Testament. Verse 30. This, that is why Many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, you have to be careful here. Paul is not saying that anytime you see sickness in anybody, any Christian, it's because they are sinning. That's not what he's saying. That is not true. That is wrong. But then he's saying that the sin amongst God's people can have the consequence, the God's judgment of weakness of sickness and death. He says that, church, if you see that you are depleting, people are dying, in your case in Corinth, it is because as you approach the Lord's Supper, you approach it in, without desert, knowing what its significance is. Some people who are rich, they say this is an opportunity to show off. So they, they, they come with their food and their families and their friends and they just sit somewhere and eat, despising those who are poor. And some will take it as an opportunity. They will, they will drink and be drunk. This is the lost table. Proclaiming his death, also proclaiming his resurrection and his return. But they don't do it with that mentality. It's an issue of showing off and being, being drunk. 
they approach the Lord's table as they perhaps approach, um, don't mind your wife, Choba. You know that place, you can go with your girlfriend, you have a wife, but you can go with your girlfriend and go and do a spread there, after all what? Money is not a problem. You go and spread your girlfriend. So they come to the Lord's table with the same sinful heart and attitude without seeing that this is a sacred thing. And Paul says, listen, God judges sin in the church. Brothers and sisters, let us fear the Lord because God judges sin amongst his people. God judges sin amongst his people. Those kind of, you can slander somebody. You are saying certain things you know is not, is not true just to hurt the reputation of someone, another brother and sister. And then together we will come and sing unto the Lord. God judges sin in the church. Peter says something that is important. First Peter chapter 2. So the same person who was instrumental here in this context, this is what he says. Concerning sin among God's people. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20. He talks about certain people and now listen to what he says. Second Peter 2 20. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed unto them. Of them, the proverbs are true. Dogs return to its vomit. And the pig that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. He is not talking about non-believers and how they live. He is looking at the people. He says, these people who have made a profession of faith, perhaps they have been baptized. They have been confirmed as members in the church. If you go back to those sinful ways, so now you have become a baptized Christian who is still continuing in masturbation. It's not that there's a heart of brokenness and repentance, but you are still hiding in it. You were baptized. You, were, you made a profession of faith. Now you are a believer. But still, you are persisting in those sins. He says that, listen, listen, let me tell you. Your current state is worse off than the beginning. So for the person who doesn't know Jesus, the lady on, there's a place in this, I don't know what they call it, maybe the Atamuda Street, where the, is Atemuda? Adelaide, you know, eh? Okay. <laughs> the Atemuda Street. 
this lady who doesn't know Jesus and is a prostitute. Peter says, listen, she's better off than for me who has become a Christian and I say that I confess my fornication and my sin and God has forgiven me. And now that I've become a Christian, I am dating another Christian in the church and we are doing stuff. He says that, listen, you, you, God calls you a dog. He says that me, God looks at me and calls me a pig. Not the unbeliever. Us. Brothers and sisters, let us fear the Lord. My current state is worse off than before. So now I have become somebody who takes communion and a drunkard on top. Before, I was only a drunkard. But now I've become a communicant drunkard. I partake of the blood of Jesus. And afterwards, I'm going to And in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, that is what we are seeing here. Sin being introduced in the church. And God says, listen. I'm your loving Heavenly Father. But I'm not weak. I will discipline my people. So what should this mean for us? You know, sometimes when we read this, the devil is wicked, though. I'll read this, and perhaps I'm still living. I have double standards. There's a pastor attitude, so I have to preach, so I'll take the mic. But there's something, there's another kind of person I am altogether. When you come to the office and you hear the conversation I'm having with other people, you think that we are describing porn. The kind of conversations we are having and how I'm talking about other women. But nothing has happened to me. I'm not like Ananias and Sapphira. It has been happening. I've been doing it for years. I come to church. Nothing has happened to me. So in my case, oh, Charlie. Do you know what Ananias, the meaning of the name? The Lord is gracious. That's what Ananias means. And Sapphira means beautiful. I have been doing this for years. I can, Charlie. Recently, you might have heard a scandal of a gospel musician who, maybe it's not true, but the lady was alleging that he comes to actually sometimes sleep with me and afterwards go and minister. He goes to minister from the bed of fornication. People are blessed. Pass are stayed. And it's, it's not just, we are not talking about a one-time slip. We are talking about a posture and an attitude and a path. Nothing has happened. So we begin to think that anytime we read this Acts chapter 5, and the Bible says, and great fear came upon the church. For us, when we read it, 
it doesn't mean anything to us. Listen to what Peter says. The same Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Our lost patience means salvation. In Romans chapter 2, Paul also makes that point. Verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. The tree says, Anase, wote na yemuye, ne ne boase to, ne na boje chere, na boje chere, bebre no hon etuyan, ou nimse nyanko pon a yemuye de wo rekon adjen satremu. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So why is it that in our case, what, how God reacts to Ananias and Sapphira, he's not done that in our case. Is it that he's changed his nature about our sin? No. Peter and Paul says, know this. God's rich kindness and mercy is supposed to lead me to repentance. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what you are struggling with. But if you are living a double life, listen, God is patient with you because he wants you to repent. God is patient with me because he wants me to turn away from those things. He will never excuse sin anywhere. God will never excuse my sin. God, there's never any justification for my sin. Yes, sometimes, you know, we are forced but I sinned. Sometimes the situation is difficult, but I sinned. But God has been patient and still allowing me to come and stand in front of you to speak and to serve. Why? Is it for me to think that, oh, Charlie, I'm special? No. Paul says, it is supposed to, it is a part God is God is cutting out for you. It's supposed to lead you to repentance. This morning I'm praying that we will all take this path. The mercy and the patience of the Lord is supposed to lead us 
to repentance. So we should live a life of transparency before the Lord. There's nothing that is hidden from God. We should live a life of transparency before him. In Acts 24, 16, that's all Paul said. He strives to live with a clear conscience before God. So the first one, church, let us fear the Lord because God judges sin in the church. Secondly, shortly, because it is the path to powerful witness. Do you see what is described right after the judgment of God in the church? Verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else joined them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Now, the church had a credible witness amongst the people. They were highly regarded. You see why God had to judge sin in the church? What is the number one thing unbelievers say about Christians? That we are not, too, we are not powerful in our preaching. That we don't drive their cars. No. The number one thing they will say, the church is full of hypocrites. Of course, there, I think there's some exaggeration. The unbeliever himself or herself, they want justification for their own sin. So then they want to say, oh, even the church is like that. I have no problem. But there's some truth to that. But here in Acts, when God brings the judgment in, we see that they were highly regarded. And look at the growth of the church, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. More and more people believed and were added. Added. And we know, of course, they were added because it's God himself who caused them to be born again and brought them to the church. They were added because this was a community of people begging and pursuing God for integrity. Listen, as parents, there are some schools you will never take your child to. Imagine in a school that everything is free. But you know that the, the teacher, the teacher there molests the children. Please. No matter how free, will you take your child there? Never. You won't. I know of a, a brother, the school, the admission, admission fee. <laughs> you can buy a car. It was expensive. Two children. But then the children come home and realize that when the, um, I think the older is trying to teach the younger or the older is studying, about study, one is beating the other. Hey, steady, you are not doing this. But that's not what they did at home. And they realize it's their school. The teachers are not just encouraging them. They are putting the fear of God in them <laughs> to study. What did he do? 
Oh, the way we have spent money. No. Went to the school, spoke to the leader, and took their children out. A lot of money. But the children are important. I'm saying that to say this. Why should God bring in more people to this church? Will God commit to bringing more people if perhaps as the leader, as I'm standing here, I have a wife, but maybe I'm like, <laughs> I'm also looking. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm also looking. Will God send his children to this place? You as a parent, you will not take that risk with your children. You want God to take that risk. If perhaps God brings in somebody who is innocent, that the person needs to be nurtured. But Charlie, there's a, a guy here. If you are a fresh babe, no now. Should God send his children here? So you see why it's important for God to judge sin in the church. Because, because he wants a powerful witness in the church. More and more people were added. God wants to add more and more people. But if they will not be nurtured, but they will be exploited. That immediately I see you and you are working at a big place. I know that in two years, you will change my car for me. So all the prayer I'm praying for you, it's not that you grow in the Lord. God. I see you as cows to be milked. Will God add more and more people? No. But when God judges sin, more and more people were added to the church. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Look at the power of the Holy Spirit that was unleashed in the church. The shadow of Peter even healing people. People want Peter's shadow to pass over them. The power of God was released in the church. Church, let us fear the Lord. This is, what, this is the path to a powerful witness. Let us fear the Lord. Recently, I was thinking about something that had happened in the U.S. in Asbury College. They went for a church service on Wednesday. It's a theological seminary, usual weekly meeting. They went for the service on Wednesday. And for over two weeks, the service could never close. Revival just broke, broke forth in the place. It's not as though they were meeting every day, Wednesday, they closed Thursday, they made no. 24 hours nonstop service. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. For two weeks. People all over around, they were coming to the campus to see what was happening. I looked, and this revival had happened in the 70s before, and it happened last month again. I looked at the auditorium. Students, their musical instrument is here. People are here. This old keyboard. But the Holy Spirit broke forth. Sometimes we think that what we need for the Holy Spirit to break forth is like we need smoke. Look at the amount of money sometimes we spend on certain events. 
we want smoke, I don't know how they call it. <laughs> smoke machine. We want some smoke machine. We want some, some serious things. We think that those things is what will attract God or touch the heart of heaven and open the heavens to us. Maybe if you have the money, that's fine. But those things in themselves, they don't. Church, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, as we walk in the fear of the Lord, this is what will open the heavens unto us to express this powerful witness amongst us and through us. The fear of the Lord is the path to a powerful witness. Shall we pray? I want to pray that, Lord, your patience with me is to lead me to repentance. So I come this morning. I come. I'm repenting. Have mercy upon me. Please open your heart and pray. Let's open our heart and pray. a merciful God. He's, told, he's not telling us this to come and condemn us, but
but that we will come to him again and say, Lord, I need your help. I want to fear you. I don't want to live in compromises. I don't want to continue hiding and dishonoring you. I want to respect you. Let's say, shall we rise up and pray together as a church? That Father, help us here in Redeemer. We are confessing that we compromise. Like, I compromise. You compromise. But have mercy upon your church. The Redeemer will walk in your fear. Help us. We are admitting our compromises. Sometimes it's not that something you really wish to do, but the circumstances. But we are saying, Lord, we admit we have sinned. We are hypocrites. We act. We have double standards. But we come to you knowing that it is possible for you to transform our hearts and that your fear will rest upon us. Please open your hearts and pray for Redeemer. Oh God, help us. Oh God, help us. Father, we are praying and asking that in your mercy we will walk in your fear. We, are, we admit that, Lord, we also, we are full of deceit. We are full of hypocrisy. We are one way in church, but outside, something else. We are still indulging in greed, in lust, but Lord, this morning we are praying, let your fear come upon Redeemer. May we fear you. May we fear you. That Lord, you will not continue to walk in hypocrisy, but we will open up our hearts to your grace 
and your power that we will live in a way that is worthy of the gospel so that Lord we can experience powerful witness that as a church would have credibility outside people will know that yes you are amongst us Lord help us in Jesus name we pray with thanksgiving Amen